welcome to the Excel Still More podcast. I am your host, Chris Emerson, and we are here to talk about tips and strategies that you can employ to deepen your faith, improve your relationships, and just get the most out of your life. Thank you for joining. Let's get started. Today, as we get started in this episode, I need to reveal some behind-the-scenes podcast information something that you probably already assumed, but I'm going to tell it to you anyway. I do not record these episodes on the same day that you initially hear them. The fact that they're released at 5 a.m. probably gives that away. Usually about a week ahead of time, I sit down and record some things and schedule it, and then it gets released. The reason I need to tell you that, because today, for you, if you're listening on the day the episode is released... It's Monday, September 23rd. If you're listening in the first week, it's obviously a day or two or several days after that. For me, as I sit here in the office, it is September the 11th. It is the 18th anniversary of the tragic terrorist attacks that changed our country forever. I came here to record something else, but in the drive on the way over, I just feel compelled to share some things with you about that. And the fact that it's not still September 11th for you, well, maybe that'll work in your favor. Because ultimately, this is about how does an event like that change a person? Not the day that it happens, but 12 days later. You're not seeing it on your news feed anymore. You probably saw all of the images. Maybe you listened to some of the audio recordings of people who were about to perish. Maybe you watched some of the specials on television. But that was 12 days ago. The event was years ago. You're kind of back to everyday life now. It's a Monday, and you're embracing it the best that you can. And there's nothing wrong with that. The same will be happening for me on September the 23rd. But I just wonder, even on days when it isn't the memorial, how did that event change you? If you're over the age of 30, maybe, then you probably have vivid memories of September 11th, 2001. You can probably remember where you were and what you were doing and how it hit you. I know that I can. And so when we think back on this event, there are usually two things going on simultaneously. The first one is you very selflessly think about what it was like in New York or at the Pentagon, or in that Pennsylvania field. You think about the people on the airplane. It makes you think about the brevity of life. We all consider how short and easily extinguished human life is. Maybe you think about evil in this world, and how we're always needing to defend ourselves and fight against heartless, godless people. Maybe you think about political things, like the way that we united in one cause after that. And it makes you hope that we can get our act back together and do that once again without having to be terrorized in order to do it. Probably you think about God. I know I do. I think about how God allows human beings to make choices and others get hurt. But I also think about how much bigger God is than that. Even those 3,000 plus people who died will live again. Eternity is coming for them. Nothing in this life that happens to us can take away the presence and power of God. 
I think about all that stuff. You probably do as well. But then we also think a bit about ourselves, don't we? And I don't mean this in a negative way at all. In fact, I'm about to tell you my story from September 11th, 2001, because I want you to understand how I was fundamentally changed, altered in one very specific way after sitting there and watching those images and listening to those testimonials all day long. You probably could do the same. You could tell your story. But what I want to know is, what's different about you because of that event? I have to say, nothing up to that point, I was 22, had ever hit me with that kind of impact. And based on the change that came out of it in my life, maybe nothing ever will. So if you'd be willing to give me a few minutes, let me tell you what was going on in my life. And then at the end, we will introduce some concepts from the Word of God and speak specifically about benefits that you can derive from even very terrible and devastating things. So, of course, it was late 2001, but my story backs up a bit from there. I'd gotten married a few years earlier at the age of 18. I quit college to get married. My mother was very unhappy about this. I had started college kind of young, about 15, and so I had probably 40 hours left to graduate as an engineer. I tell my mom, I'm quitting college, I'm getting married, and I'm going to work at a sand and gravel pit. Well, that, that did not go over well in our household, but I was determined and in love, and Summer's father owned that company, and he employed me to go work there, and that's the decision that I made. So here we were a few years into that. I got married in late 97, and of course now here we are in 2001, and he and I had the biggest fight. I'm not sure even to this day if he fired me or I quit. There was just a lot going on. I wish it hadn't happened, genuinely. And we made some reparations in later years, but at that moment, it was over. And I went home and laid down in bed. For the first time since I was 15 years old, I was unemployed, I had no direction, and I did not know what to do. I was married, of course, as I mentioned, and I had a five-month-old daughter. I was living in a house provided to me by my father-in-law, a man with whom I had just had what you might call a knockdown dragout in a verbal form. And so I just laid down in bed. And for two days, I did very little else but lay in that bed feeling sorry for myself, blaming everyone. It was everyone else's fault. This was unfair. And out of that pity party, resolving nothing, just to lay there. On that third morning, September 11th, Summer came into the bedroom. We didn't have a TV in the bedroom. And she said, babe, you need to get up. You need to come in here and, and look at something. So I remember walking into the other end of the house and sitting on the couch, and there it was. The initial attack had happened in New York City, and everyone was still trying to process what was going on. And we sat there all day, and we watched. And we listened, and we cried, and we prayed, and we talked about everything that I mentioned in the earlier part of the episode about evil and brevity and God and His presence over all of it and the bigger plan of eternity and 
It was an impactful day. I'm sure you won't forget it if you're of an age of remembrance, and I won't either. I don't remember saying this next thing to her, but I definitely remember feeling it. In the core of my soul, as I'm watching people falling out of that building and jumping, as I'm seeing the look on people's faces and hearing the interviews and watching this all happen, my problems became very, very tiny. I was married to a woman who loved me. I had a beautiful little girl, a lot of opportunity and support in this life. All I'd done for two days is made my problems enormous, colossal, evil, attacks on the future of my family. And now they felt like they were the size of an ant. I got up that evening and walked into our bathroom and looked in the mirror And I said to myself two words I will never forget. I said, Chris, never again. Never again will I feel sorry for myself. Now again, I know that it wasn't about me. It was about the families and the loss and the devastation and the world. But you know, you're at the center of every experience that you ever have or see. And so ultimately, it's processed internally, and it produces something. I'm just here to tell you that what it produced for me is that I would never, for not one more day in my life, no matter what happened, and feeling pretty confident, by the way, that nothing like what they were experiencing was going to happen to me, and by the grace of God, it hasn't. I would never again waste even one more day the way I had wasted the two before this one. Never again will I feel sorry for myself. Well, I have to tell you, not all of the days since then have been awesome. I would say most of them probably have, but not all of them. There has been sorrow and sadness and loss and unfairness and everything of the ilk of the natural world. But I'm here to tell you, while it's 12 days later for you or maybe after, for me today it's September 11th, the 18th anniversary of extinguishing the pity party, of getting some real perspective on life problems and recognizing how few in comparison I have. So quickly to finish my story, I don't know if it was the next day, but pretty shortly afterwards, we called the local university and started working on scheduling classes. And throughout that next year, I took, I can't remember, I want to say 40 hours worth of classes in a year. And I graduated in December of that next year with some of my friends. I had started college three or four years earlier than my friends, took three or four years off in the middle, and I ended up graduating with a couple of them in late 2002. And you know what else? Getting fired from my job that I had left college to do that was supposed to be my big bright future ended up being one of the most important and providential things that's ever happened to me. During that year plus of going to school, I wasn't working. So I started building sermons and filling in and doing preaching work for a man who preached there in a small church in our town. He had some back problems or something, and he wasn't always able to do it. And so I began filling in. And by the time I graduated a year later, it didn't even matter what was written on the degree. I wanted to be a preacher. And I've been trying to be one ever since. 
the people Summer and I have met, the experiences that we have had, all dates back for me to September 11th, 2001, completely speechless, sympathizing with the terror that people were feeling, looking in the mirror and saying, never again, never again will I feel sorry for myself. And getting up and getting active and getting into classes and starting to preach and being a husband and father and hopefully, Lord willing, doing work that pleases my Creator. Okay, well, you didn't tune in today to listen to me talk about me. Let's talk a little bit about about you. First of all, I know you probably have a story about that day and how it affected you. So when I say something to you like, never forget, you know exactly what that means. Never forget the pain and hurt that others experienced. Never forget why we're ongoingly and intensely fighting the evil in the world. Never forget the unity that we all had for a time where, for at least a little while, no one who loved this country hated one another. We had turned our anger towards those who sought to hurt us. Never forget the sacrifices of people like you, just good people, who went to that location to help people and never made it back home. Never forget why this leads us to God. Just this morning at home in the, the one great hour in the morning, the morning read, I was in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, where it talks about death. It is a reality for everyone, unless we're here when Jesus comes back. But that chapter is not about dwelling on the devastation of death. It is about the promise of life after. Everyone born before 1900 is gone. They died. And if the world keeps going, it may not be through the falling of a tower, but you will also. And yet the text says that victory is still assured for the child of God. Victory over sin through Jesus. Victory over death and the resurrection. So never forget those things. But as we conclude today, what we're trying to do is emphasize something else. So in addition to that, I want you to say to yourself today two words. Never again. Maybe for you, you didn't say it 18 years ago. You didn't say it yesterday. Maybe today is the first day of your life when you're going to look yourself in the mirror, realizing how truly blessed you are, realizing how much opportunity you have to get better, and how reparable many of your problems are. And saying to yourself, never again, never again will I sit there feeling sorry for myself. I have options. I have supporters. I have life. Not everyone can say that. I will never again throw the old pity party. All that does is trap me in inactivity and bring others down with me. Now, I don't know what you're going through. It could be very serious. There could be sickness, maybe even unto imminent death. I know people suffering that exact thing. It could be problems in your marriage, with your children, 
at home that just seem completely overwhelming. It could be struggles at work with the people of the world that you have around you. It could be internal battles that you're fighting where you just keep sabotaging yourself. I don't know what God's plan will be for those things, but I can tell you the difference between me feeling sorry for myself and me standing up and moving forward. The first one didn't pray very much. The first one not only didn't do anything to try to help, didn't try to renovate his attitude and find something to be thankful for, he didn't even mention gratitude, and he wasn't prayerful. But the me that stared myself down, the person that I'm encouraging you to be, the one who says, never again will I live even one more day like that, there are some things that instantly begin to happen. Your prayer life has optimism. It has direction. It has hope. You start to feel courage and drive and purpose, and it changes your attitude. Not just as those who would pat you on the back in your sorrows, but those who hold your hand as you take the next step forward. It's been a little while since I've read this verse that we love to read on this program, Philippians chapter 3, but it just feels like the right time. Someone feeling sorry for themselves won't understand it, but someone who says never again will grab a hold of it tightly. The Apostle Paul said, One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Are you ready to do that? For you today, it may begin by finding a mirror and saying, Never again. Thank you so much for listening today. We encourage you to check out the website, excelstillmore.life, where you can subscribe to emails, order the three-month journal, or check out past episodes. As always, please consider sharing this with people in your life who you think we can help. And whatever you do today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, excel still more.